We're in the book of Ephesians, and we're continuing that. Kudos to Pastor Jeff, Pastor Joel. They have been killing it, not in a bad way, in a good way. They've been knocking it out of the park. If you've missed any of their teachings, I would highly recommend that you go and listen to them. They're on YouTube, Facebook, whatever. Thank God for our current, you know, we have all this stuff where we can go online now and it's all recorded for eternity. <laughs> that makes me feel better already. <laughs> so we are in Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to just read, we're dovetailing between where Pastor Joel ended and where Pastor Stephen started. And so Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read that because as Pastor Joel says, we're in church, we can read the Word of God. And somehow, probably, I, I think the Word of God's more anointed if you actually have a Bible, right? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. It really isn't. But <clears throat> it feels more anointed. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Everybody say, for Christ Jesus. For Christ Jesus. So the, the Ephesian study, the subtitle of this, if you're taking notes, is for Christ. On behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So one of the things I've noticed if, with Paul, and it seems like it's especially prevalent in Ephesians, he likes to repeat himself. And he repeats himself quite a bit. So I notice that as we get older, we, we tend to do that. You guys notice that? <laughs> so if you're older, you're in denial, but your children will tell you that you repeat yourself a lot. I remember when I was in high school and I had the, really a blessing to have my grandfather live with us for a while. And uh, it was actually my stepmom's dad, but I considered him my grandfather. And, and he loved to tell his stories over and over and over. And actually, I, I loved it because I loved him. And I never tired of listening to his stories. 
But my stepmom, who was his daughter, had heard them for many more years than I had, and she was quite weary of them <clears throat> and would say so. I've also noticed that as I get older, and I didn't realize I was older until I started getting senior discounts without even asking for them. <laughs> you start forgetting things a little bit more and a little more absent-minded. But the other thing I've noticed that, especially this week as I'm just praying and considering the Word of God, is uh, the awe of God is just being magnified for me. <clears throat> So Paul has a reason, though, for repeating himself, because it's important. He says, for this reason. So remember, everything's about context. So what is the reason that Paul is doing this? If you go back to chapter 2, verse 11, I'm just going to summarize. He says, remember, you were alienated, separated, no hope, now made one with Christ, fellow citizens built together, for this reason I, Paul. And then Paul addresses almost like the elephant in the room, and he hasn't talked about it until this point, that he's a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. In the introduction to the book, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And if you know Paul's story, you realize the significance of that. He persecuted the church. He thought it was a cult. But he was, he, in his heart he was pure, but he was purely wrong. And so God had to address that. So by the will of God. So when Paul says by the will of God and, on, and for Christ, he really means that. It, it really means something to him. He's passionate about what he's doing. By the will of God. So he's in prison. He's a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Not because, not a prisoner of the Romans. Not a prisoner of the Jews. Not a prisoner uh, falsely accused but a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Sometimes it's just a mental assent as to our condition, our circumstance, as to why we're there. Do we focus on the negative, or are we going to focus on maybe for Christ? Maybe we should be thinking about what are we doing for Christ? Maybe this is part. And it's interesting, it doesn't always look, Paul seems fairly obvious. Sometimes in our lives it's not so obvious. What are we doing for Christ? And what are we willing to give up for Christ? No excuses. No regrets. He understood the big picture. It's not just about me. He was purposeful. So quite a few years ago, we uh, decided to paint, repaint the interior of our home. And when we built our house, we had moved out of a double-wide mobile home, which had a lot of discolored sheetrock. It's all colors and look like, you know, you know what it looks like. It's not, it's, it's dark, just all dark. And we had so many decisions to make building our house that we just decided, okay, we're just going to paint the inside of our house white. Everything white. Kitchen, dining room, bedrooms, 
rec rooms white. And then later we will decide colors and paint as we feel like it. And so probably about 10 or 12 years ago, we decided to do that and we hired somebody and she did a great job. She did the upstairs for us, the entire upstairs did a great job. And somewhere along in my life, I had decided that I didn't like to paint. I really, I was thinking about that. I don't know why I don't like to paint, but I don't like to paint. The thought of it just is abhorrent to me. It seems like a lot of work. Uh, I have, there's nothing within me that wants to paint. And, and so, but I don't remember ever growing up painting to develop a reason for it. But I knew I didn't want to paint my house. So when it came time to paint the downstairs, the same person had moved on and was busy and was unable, and then we were looking for people, and we couldn't really find anybody, and everybody was busy, and this went on for some months, and then finally I decided, I sat down, and I said, listen, we have YouTube, we've got Google, we've got, you know, I can learn how to paint. I'm going to paint my downstairs. I'm going to learn how to do it, I'm going to do a good job, and... I'm going to like it. <laughs> true story. That's a true story. I'm going to like it. And you know what? I did. Now, that was just a season of my life, so don't ask me to paint your house. I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> and then Paul moves on, and he talks about the mystery, the revelation that he had of the mystery of Christ, not previously known, for thousands of years, all from the creation until Christ, not previously known, hidden in God, that what? The Gentiles, this is where he repeats themselves, the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So here we have this mystery. And I think all of us appreciate a good mystery, am I right? A movie, a book, a novel, and what... what captures us our heart a lot of times is the mystery that we don't know. And sometimes the mystery, depending on the writer, might kind of reveal it, and then you're wondering how the different actors are going to figure it out. So when the, the challenge is that we've, we've read the book, so we know the mystery's been revealed. And the mystery's not really that complicated. It's simple, even for a child to understand that Christ came and died for us, that we can have access now to his kingdom. But I think what we fail to realize, because sometimes we're 2,000 years after the fact, and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you've just heard the story so much, I think that we lose how profound the mystery is. The mystery is still profound. It we have to realize that at the time of Christ, that mystery and the revelation of that mystery literally turned the world upside down, the known world upside down, culturally, religiously. Cons consider for a minute that the Jews in the early church, there's a religious system established by God that really started with Abram, Abram, who became Abraham, and he called him out. He said, I'm going to be a, you know, you're going to be my people, and you're going to be, I'm going to be your God and all your descendants, and you'll eventually bless all the nations of the world. And that was 
2,000, 2,100 years before Christ. Think about that, 2,000 years. And then Moses and the law was given about 1,600 years before Christ. And then you have all of the history of the Jewish nation when they did good and when they didn't do good. And there was a lot of not doing good. And there was a lot of marrying outside of their culture, marrying foreigners and then bringing in other gods and their nation falling. And, when they, and so now you have this generation in Christ, is, this stuff is ingrained in them from childhood that we are a chosen nation. And all of a sudden, Christ changes all of that and all of a sudden, the Gentiles now, listen, even the apostles were shocked. After Christ was resurrected from the dead, that, oh, the Gentiles are part of the plan. We didn't realize that. Even though it's kind of in the Old Testament in places, they still, it was a mystery. And that was Paul's revelation. And guess what? They don't even have to be circumcised. But, but that's the covenant with God. That's our very covenant with Him is circumcision. And you can marry outside of Judaism. I mean, think about how profound that was for the nation of the Jews. Absolutely cataclysmic, earth-shattering. There's not words to describe it. And, and we miss that because we, we're in a different culture. We're in a different time where we, we don't understand. 250 years ago, we became a nation. 250 years. Think of all the, the culture that we have just over 250 years. Their religion was 2,000 years old. 2,000 years. And, and all of a sudden, in a moment of time, the whole thing is being flipped. It's profound. And the mystery is still profound. In, in Revelation chapter 2, so this is the book to the Ephesians, right? The Ephesians, we're studying Ephesians. Just a few decades later, Christ appears to the Apostle John, says, write a letter to the churches. First church to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Wow. That's easy for us to do. Easy to lose how profound the mystery is, because the mystery isn't complicated, it's simple, but we lose how the awesomeness of God, the profoundness of what he's done for us. So Paul says, he goes on, he says, I'm going to reveal 
I'm here to preach the plan, not just the mystery, but also the plan of the mystery in verses 8 through 11. To what? Preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. To reveal the light of his plan, the manifold wisdom of God through the church, rulers to rulers and authorities in heavenly places for an eternal purpose that was realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you realize that Paul really packs a lot of stuff into one sentence? I mean, it's almost like overwhelming. You have to break that down a little bit. Don't ever underestimate what the church is here to do and the power of what God's doing through the church. We are affecting the heavenly places for eternal purpose that was realized in Christ. That word manifold, the manifold wisdom of God, every once in a while I just get a word, it's like, I wonder what that really means. And if you look that up in the Greek and the Strong's Concordance, it's just kind of, um, it's kind of blah and bland. But if you Google it and you get what the real meaning is, and Google's always right, right? (laughs) (laughs) So the real, the meaning of that to the Greeks apparently at that time, it means many colored shades, tints, hues, many colored shades, tints, hues. How many of you realize how many different colors there are? Not colors you can buy because that's probably a finite amount, but actual colors. Every shade, every hue, every tint, glossy, semi-glossy. What's the other one? I can't hear you. That's part of getting older. Flat. All right, flat. And there's others, right? And so it's not just the color, it's the gloss. And there's all these ramifications. Well, the, the number of colors is infinite. Absolutely infinite. And there's something about colors that's really interesting because of how we are created. And you may know this, and I've, I've shared it a long time ago, but our, our eyes, we really just a funnel to the brain. We understand that, right? The pictures that we see are really formed in our head. They're not in our eyes. And so what we see sometimes in what our brain, our brain actually will manipulate and change what we, what's actually out there. And I don't know if you know that or not, but that is, that is scientifically proven. And so it happens with colors. And you'll hear people say, well, I really like that color on you because it brings out the color of your eyes or it's a good color for you, maybe because of your skin color or the different colors of your blouse. That color really brings out this color. And maybe you don't realize it, but that actually is literally true. There's actually your brain processing colors next to each other. So when we bought our couch at the furniture store, it was literally a different color in our house. Not a lot different. You know, you don't go from purple to orange, but you have browns and shades of purple that 
come out depending on the color you bring together. If you bring colors on a computer screen, say in squares, and you bring them together, you will literally, before your eyes, see the color change. It will change. Now, the computer, it's the same color to the computer, but our eyes, they will change. It's profound. What happens is the manifold wisdom of God, when we come together, our different cultures, our different histories, our different ages, our different nationalities, how we were raised, when we come together, we change. Our colors change. And it's the manifold wisdom of God that is infinite. And he's infinitely wise and it's ever-changing. When we, as a church, Paul says that, we as a church are making known to authorities in heavenly places that's angels. We're making known to them the manifold wisdom of God. You can say, well, that happened when Christ died on the cross, and that's just kind of all over with. But I think it's still, I think the angels in heaven are still marveling over the manifold wisdom of God because our local church is different than the church of A.D. 50. It's different. It's different than the church in Newport and Priest River. We have churches that are manifesting the wisdom of God around the world, and they're all different. It's still manifesting, and somehow there's no time in heaven, and so I think that for the angels in heaven, when Paul wrote this, was like yesterday to them, and they're still... God's still using the church today. You're part of that. Now you could say, that, well, he's talking about the universal church. Every Christian has ever been saved for all eternity and will ever be saved in past, present, and future. But it's the local body of Christ is the outworking of the, of the church. It's this local body right here. It's the local bodies in Newport and Priest River and Verport, Laclede. Around the world, God is bringing people together and it changes the color of things. It changes the hue. And we affect one another. What are we part of? This isn't just Paul preaching. It's the church preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ bringing to light to everyone what is the plan of the mystery. Revealing the manifold wisdom of God. Teaching the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What? God's eternal purpose. Eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. So what does Paul say? He says, don't lose heart. Don't become faint-hearted. Don't lose courage. Because it's for your glory. 
My suffering, again, it goes back to his imprisonment, my suffering is for your glory. And again, I ask myself, glory, what does that mean? Their glory, what does that mean? So that word glory is doxa. And what it, what it means in the Greek is what evokes good opinion, i.e. that something has inherent intrinsic worth. What's he saying? He says, you are worthy. That's what he's saying. You are worthy. Listen, you are worthy. Not to mention what Christ did for us, but you're worthy for someone else to suffer for you. You're worthy. When we are affecting the rules and authorities in heavenly places, you realize that some of those angels are fallen angels. They're demons. Listen, they, can I tell you something? They hate you. Pure, unadulterated hate. They do everything to deceive you, especially with God's word, especially with his promises. So how do you know something's from Satan? Well, you look at what, what's the message. Thank you. <laughs> so one of my really big pet peeves is evolution. I, I believe with, in fact, I, I don't believe it, I'm convinced it's a lie of the devil. Now it was brought about by man, I understand that, but how many of you know that the devil uses people to deceive? That's why we have so many false teachings, so many cults. Uh, he's going to use every avenue he can to deceive people. And if you don't believe in God, well then, you've got evolution. So how do I know that's a lie from the devil? Evolution teaches that you have no past, you have no future, you have no purpose, you have no worth. God teaches the exact opposite. We are created in His image. It doesn't get any better than that. We don't even need any more than that right there. But we have a past, we have a purpose, He has a plan. We have a future, and it's eternal, and you have worth. That's the bottom line. Any other message is a lie from the devil, Whatever, however it's disguised. You are worth the suffering of others. The challenge is that the mystery, even though it's been revealed and we can read it, for every soul that's out there that doesn't know Christ, hasn't accepted him as Lord and Savior, it's still a mystery. If it wasn't a mystery, they would be saved. So they might have heard the message, but it's still a mystery. And I don't want you to get paranoid right now, but you are being watched. You're being watched. You're being watched by people around you. If you. Call yourself Christian, you're being watched. You're being watched in from heavenly places. You're being watched. What are we willing to do for Christ? What are we willing to do for Christ? Not for me, 
So here's my my getting old story. So all, all of these stories are like 10 to 20 years ago. I couldn't tell you exactly when they were, but somewhere in that time frame, okay? So one day, I was just praying and in my living room, and I just had this, like a God moment where I was like released everything to the Lord. And I said, Lord, and I actually really felt this probably for the first time in my life. And I'd already been a Christian for 20 some years. So just being honest, I said, Lord, if you asked me to sell everything and go to Africa, I would do it. And, and I felt that. Until then, no, but at that point, I felt that. And so, I didn't sell everything, didn't go to Africa. Christ, of course, would have to manifest literally in my living room for me to do that. But, but what did happen is my wife, Cindy, Honey, could you take out the garbage? And all of a sudden, I, I heard the Holy Spirit. I could see him looking at me. <laughs> you said anything. And I was like, that was, wow, I actually had an epiphany right there. I was like, wow. For Christ. And then, I need, honey, I need some weed whacking done today. <clears throat> honey, would you go shopping with me? Honey, would you unload the car of my groceries? When, when something's on sale at the store, my wife loads the cart. And I, I've th she's threatened to get a bigger car. I won't let her. <clears throat> it's like, no. <laughs> No trucks, no trailers when you go to the grocery store. <laughs> so the, the, the next couple times, and this happened for like a year, the next couple times I kind of like chuckle. Okay, okay, Lord, I get it. Okay, Lord, I get it. Okay, Lord, I get it. Lord, we need to have a discussion here because <clears throat> that's really not what I meant. I mean, selling everything, going to Africa is one thing. All this other stuff, that's a whole other level. This is getting difficult. And see, the Lord had a lesson for me, right? And I was actually, as I was praying about this message, and, and Lord, you know, reveal things to me, what you want me to share, and, and this came up. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm praying about it, and all of a sudden, I realized something. That whole thing was a setup. God set me up. He did. He does that. And I could, I could see in my mind, I could see God <clears throat> smiling right then, this week. Complete setup. So in the parable of the sheep and the goats, we're just going to summarize this. But if you look at that, Jesus is talking about, listen, for the thirsty, the hungry, the naked, the sick, the people in prison. If you, if you did anything for the least of these, 
you did it for me. You did it for me. We have to ask ourselves, what are we willing to do for Christ? Maybe you're facing some really difficult things, difficult relationship things, and what we don't think, I don't think we understand fully and comprehend that we're being watched, the things that we do, and how we react. We don't know how that's affecting people around us, even the generations after us. The things that we do, if we make a choice, we decide that, listen, I don't like to paint, but I'm going to like it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this for Christ, and I'm going to like it. I don't like it right now, but I'm going to like this, because I'm going to do it for Christ. I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm doing it for Him. And the and the path, the, the doors that can open, the things that can happen for other people on behalf of you Gentiles. The sacrifices that we make and that we give up, the rights we give up, the right to defend ourselves because we're falsely accused. When we do it for Christ, I believe that something spiritual happens. We may never even know what that is, sort of this side of heaven. Something spiritual happens. It opens up God's ability to move. And because God says what? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Sometimes we're just, we're just step back, keep our mouth shut, accept whatever's coming at us for the sake of Christ on behalf of someone else, not for us. We're going to close now. <clears throat> I believe that there's not one person in this room that he's not sending to serve in some way. My prayer is that you will ask him, what is that, Lord? What's that in my life? Not just today, but maybe a year from now, he'll bring something to remembrance. Remember. Remember. You were lost, now you're found. So every eye closed. Listen, if you're here today, and the mystery of Christ, this mystery is, has a new revelation for you today, and you've never accepted Christ, and you'd like to do that today. Uh, listen, the, the mystery is it's really quite simple. Christ died for you so that your sins would be forgiven. Your response is just to believe and accept that Christ died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I would just ask you to you know, wave your hand. Nobody's looking. I want to pray for you, pray with you. It will be the biggest decision of your life. Father, we just thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that just ministers to each and every one of us. Father, I pray blessings on your people. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will go with them, each and every one of them, protect them, keep them safe, and bless them in Jesus' name.